would like to say, though, is, um, I don't know if Quinn's, uh, oh, here's, here's Quinn at the moment. Now, Quinn, our worship pastor, should have a Christmas jumper, and he doesn't already have one. Now, Quinn, you may have noticed, likes, uh, he likes sequins, um, he likes tears, he likes leather, and he also likes low-cut man tops. So I just want to put a challenge out there to anyone who would like to try and design a Quinn Christmas jumper. I'd, I'd absolutely love to see it. And maybe, if there's time, we'll get him wearing it on Christmas Day. Um, anyway. Uh, moving on, I have a question for everyone. I, I need to, my two beautiful assistants. One of them's hairier than the other one. Um, and I've got, I've got <laughs> that, that would be Marcus, sorry, just to clarify. Uh, and I, I have a question for you all. First, first one's an easy question. Um, put your hand up if you have friends. Put your hand up if you have friends. Okay. Very reassuring. Okay. Now, first, first uh, I, I want to ask the children um, if, a few answers from you. Um, what do you like about your friends? Who wants to tell Lauren and Marcus yes. what you like about your friends? That they be silly. Okay, they're, they're silly. They play, they play with me a lot. They play with you a lot. Luke. What else? They're kind. They're kind. They're kind. And one more? They're funny. They're funny. Okay, so those are some things people like about the best friends. Now, what about the adults? Let's have a few answers from the adults. Adults, don't be shy. What do you like about your friends? Thanks, Nicola. They take me as I am. Uh, they're encouraging. They're encouraging. Uh, they take me on adventures. They take you on adventures. And one more. One more. I've got one over here. They're very caring. They're very caring. Thank you. Thank you guys very, very much. Well, I'm going to come back to the question of friends. Um, in a moment. But, but today I want to tell you about one little boy. In many ways, um, this little boy was just like any other little boy. He ate, he drank, he slept, he played, he went to school. He was a bit like that. You can't see his face. I don't know what his face looks like. Um, but he was a bit like one of those kids up there. But at the same time, he wasn't just like any other little boy. He was different. But he was different in a really good way. In fact, in lots of really good ways. For first, so for one thing, he was a really good friend. He was a really good friend. Now, I asked you what you like about your best friends. And all sorts of people had different thoughts in their heads, didn't they? But what I want to say is that everything your best friend is, he was like. Everything that your best friend is, he was like. Everything you were thinking about. It was like he was everyone's best friend rolled into one. It was like he was a super best friend. But he was even more than that. See, I love my friends, and I especially love my best friends. But even our best friends disappoint us sometimes, don't they? That's just a fact of life. Even the best friends disappoint us, except with him. He was an exception to that rule. You see, this boy never let his friends down. He was a really good friend. In fact, he was a better friend than any of us. Because he always went and made friends with the children that the other kids left out. He never left anyone out. He always went and found the person who didn't have friends. So he was a better friend than we are. And do you know what? He was really good friends with his parents as well. He was friends with his parents. So he never shouted back at them. He never stamped his feet and said, no! How many times have you heard that? Never did that. Instead, he smiled and he did what they asked. And in fact, if they'd had a hard day, he was really good at cheering them up. He was a very different little boy. And there's so much that I could say. But let me just tell you one more thing. 
This little boy was really, really good fun. See, the games he came up with were always the best games. They were always the most fun games. And again, there was something special here. He had a way of, of enabling everyone to have fun in such a way that no one got hurt or left out. He, he, was, he, he, he created a different kind of fun, a better kind of fun. It was like he was more alive. It was like he was more alive. Wherever he went, whoever he was with, he made life better. Well, just like other children, he grew up. When he was older, he became a workman. Again, a bit like that. I don't know precisely, like I said, I don't know what his face looked like, but he looked a bit like that. He was a good worker. He was hardworking. He was reliable. He always did a good job. He always did a complete job. He never cut corners. He was a man of his word. You could always trust that he'd do what he said he was going to do. He was also a good leader. Whenever he cast a vision, he lived it out completely. In fact, he lived it out in a way much more than any of his followers did. And you know what? He always made the biggest sacrifices himself to fulfill that that vision. He was also a good friend, just like when he was younger. He was the kind of person whose advice was always worth listening to, the kind of person whose advice was always worth taking. He was always honest and truthful, but in a good way, so that even if he had something hard to say to you, you knew he still loved you as he was saying it. He was always there when you needed him. And if you got into trouble, he wouldn't just go one extra mile, he'd go ten. He was different from other men in all sorts of ways. He treated women better. They felt safe around him because they knew he wasn't going to mess them around because he never did. He was also really good with children. He never had children himself. He wasn't a father. But he was exactly the kind of person you'd have wanted in a father. And let me tell you just one more thing. He was the kind of person who, if someone needed to take a hit for the team, well, he'd always step up and take it. When one of his people did something wrong, even though it wasn't his fault, he'd step up and pay the cost. So in some ways, he was very strange, very, very strange, but strange in a wonderful kind of way. Yes, this man, this boy who became this man, was wonderfully different. It was like he was more alive. It was like he was a bigger, stronger kind of person. It was like his words had this unique power to them. His life was mesmerizing. It was like he'd come from a bigger and a better world. It was like he was more alive. I think you know who I'm talking about. His name is Jesus. That's right, Jesus. The man who was more alive than anyone ever has been. More alive than anyone. And this is how John, one of his best friends, put it. And I want, I want, I want us to read this together. Um, so can everybody read the, uh, sh- in fact, shout the words in red as I, as I say it. Okay, so here we go. In him was Life. And that Life. was the Life. of all mankind. Let's write it a bit louder. In him was Life. And that Life. was the Life. of all mankind. Sometimes we talk about someone lighting up a room, don't we? Before they arrive, things were dull. When they arrive, things suddenly get better. Things become more alive. Well, Jesus lit up the room again and again and again. In fact, Jesus lit up the world. When Jesus was around, it was like darkness turned into light. But it wasn't just like he turned on the lights in a room. It was bigger than that. It was like he brought the sunrise. The sunrise. In him was life. 
And that life was the light of all mankind. That life was the light we're all looking for. And one of the things we do with that is we worship him. So that's what we're going to do now. That was absolutely hilarious. Not because I had a hand in writing it, but because they made, they made all the jokes. You know, I bought the, the facts and they made all the jokes. So it was all them. Thanks. Congratulations, guys. You did an absolutely fantastic job. Before I start, I would like to introduce myself because some people may know who I am, some people may not. Because I'm not often in the, the morning services. We're often hidden away in this secret room up here. Um, so if you don't know, my name is Joel and I'm the youth pastor here at St. Mark's. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to work um, with the young people of this church. They are absolutely fantastic, as you saw this morning. Um, but I thought this morning I would give you one little fact about me for you guys to remember. And that little fact is, and I'm going to need to explain it after so you don't all think badly of me, that fact is I absolutely love being asleep. Some people in here may relate to me. Some people absolutely may hate me. I'm not a morning person in the slightest Get me up, you know, when my alarm goes, anger fills my, my head. Um, it is an absolutely terrible time of the day. Um, but that doesn't mean that I like to take three or four hour naps every afternoon. It doesn't quite mean that. What it means is when I'm asleep, I hate to be woken. And again, some of you may relate to me again that actually the alarm going off in the morning is the worst thing in the world. So knowing this about me, you can imagine um, my shock and my absolute dread when I tell you the story that I'm about to tell you. And this story takes place a couple of months ago. Now, does anybody remember when we had the blood moon eclipse? Raise your hands if you remember what that was. Yeah, it was basically what happened was the moon was going to turn a shade of red overnight. And it was going to be absolutely spectacular. It was going to be fantastic to see. And it was going to be amazing. And so a lot of people went out um, to see it. But it was taking place about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't remember the exact time. And to me... This seemed like, uh, I, I thought that this event, we could, we could let this pass by. It was obviously far too late for us to see. That's why, it's, that's why it happened at night time. So we didn't need to see it. But, unfortunately, I was staying with a few friends that night. And these friends of mine were keen photographers. And they really wanted to go out and get a shot of the blood moon eclipse. They really wanted to get a good photo of it. And I was like, this is going to be really hard. It's very hard to take a picture of the moon. If anyone's ever tried it, it's, it's very, very difficult. But they thought it'd be a great idea, and I had to go with them, because I couldn't stay in bed. I had to go with them. And so they decided that they were going to wake up at 1.30 in the morning to go and see this eclipse. Now, knowing that fact about me that I told you earlier, you, you can all imagine my reaction when they told me this. It was not happy. But at 1 o'clock in the morning, they came bounding into my room, waking me up, Joe, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go anger in my head. It was awful. But I got up reluctantly and I went downstairs. I was like, right, let's go into the garden. Let's, uh, let's go and see, you know, let's go and see what all the fuss is about. And they told me, no, 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 we're not going to the garden. We're going to drive to the countryside where it's darker and we can see better. I was like, what? I was just told I had to get up at 1.30. And now they're telling me we've got to go on a half an hour car ride to the countryside so we can see it because they want better lighting options and they want it to be dark and they can possibly get a better picture. Not being a photographer myself, again, it's massively antagonized me. So, reluctantly, I got dressed, put some clothes on, had to go, got in the car, and we drove all the way to the countryside, into the middle of nowhere. And we were in a field, and we were sitting there, and we got out the car, and we were sitting on a bench, and we were looking up 
at the blood moon eclipse. And remember earlier, I said it was really, really, really hard to take a picture of the eclipse. Well, that is a true statement because not one picture did my friends take. That was it. None, none of them were any good. They just looked like little red spots, little red pimples in the sky. And to me, I was like, this is not worth the hassle of getting up at 1.30 in the morning, driving half an hour, being cold, tired, grumpy, just like Mary and Joseph were. Probably they might have been a little bit more tired than I was. But cold, tired, grumpy. I wanted to go back to bed because I had to be at work the next day. All for nothing. What, it, what felt like nothing. They didn't get a good picture. It wasn't particularly fantastic. It was, you know, it was a little bit of red instead of a little bit of grey. I didn't see the fuss. I didn't see the wonder of it. But as we were standing there for what seemed like forever, in fact, it was only, we were only there for 45 minutes, but after about half an hour, I started to think, and I started to look at the moon a little more closely. And so I've got some facts about the moon I've got some facts um, that I'm going to share with you. If anyone would like to fact check me, I got these from spacefacts.com, possibly the, the most reliable website when it comes to talking about space you can go to. It's really not. Um, but here are some facts about the moon. I thought I'd start off with an easy one. Is, did you know that the moon controls the tides on Earth? I think we all kind of knew that one. You know, a lot of people, if you didn't, there we go. Just learn something new today. The moon controls the tides on Earth. Here's number two. The moon is currently moving away from the Earth by 3.8 centimetres every year. Mm, That's pretty interesting, you know. That's a bit bit, bit worrying as well, that we're we're losing the moon. Only, here's number three, only 12 people have walked on the moon. Only 12. I thought it was more than that, but I can imagine it's quite hard to get to. Its circumference is 10,917 kilometres at the equator. Now that's quite big. The next fact is its temperature ranges from minus 233 degrees centigrade to 123 degrees centigrade. Kind of like England, sometimes, if it only feels like that. And it is approximately 384,400 kilometres from the Earth. So there are some facts about the moon. But I want to share with you my favourite fact about the moon. Um, And that is that as I was standing there... In the countryside, in the middle of a field with two of my best friends, I realised that the moon is not actually a source of light. The moon is not actually a light source. It shouldn't give light to anything. But I was standing there in the middle of a field, illuminated by what we thought was moonlight. Because we could see each other, we could, um, we could see quite a long way, we could actually get pictures at night. But... If the moon is not a source of light, then what were we seeing? But then I remembered that although the moon isn't a source of light, what gives the moon its light is the sun. The moon simply reflects the sunlight from the sun to us here on earth during the night. And that is what enables us to see at night time. That is what enables us um, to see see everything. That is what gives us light when the sun has gone. It is reflecting the rays from the sun to earth. The sun is the natural light of this world. The sun is the only thing. It gives us heat. It gives us light. It is what enables us to survive. It's what makes plants grow. The sun is the natural light and the moon is simply the reflection of that light. And as we've been hearing uh, over the past Christmas services, we're talking about um, the first couple of verses 
in John's Gospel. And although the sun with a U is the only natural light of this world, the sun with an O was the only light when he came to earth over 2,000 years ago. And we learn that from John 1, verse 1 to 4. But I want to go quickly go to another piece of scripture in Ephesians. And it says this, For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, just like the moon, we here on this earth, we are not sources of light. Jesus is the only source of light in this earth for us. And just like the moon, we we don't have anything like that. But it's our job now, living as people, living as Christians, living as people of God, it is our job to reflect the sun's light to those people around us. Just like the moon reflects the sun of natural light, it is our job to reflect the light of the sun here on earth to everyone we come into contact with, to everyone we meet, to all our friends, to all our families. We are in light because of Jesus, and it is our job to share that. And so I've got a couple of ways in which you could um, possibly as a family over this Christmas time um, do that this Christmas, share the light of the world. And the first one, um, and this is just an idea, this is a story that, this is what my father used to make me do, I'm not saying have to do this, but something along these lines maybe, is what, what my father used to make us do, is he would buy presents for all of our neighbours now, we, we didn't know all of our neighbours, but he would buy presents for the two houses either side of us and the two houses opposite. And he would write a card, and in that card, he would write down what he was praying for that person was. We knew who they were. We didn't know them very well. But he would write down in that card what we as a family were doing and what we were praying for that person or for that couple or for that family. And it usually include a present. Maybe it was biscuits or chocolates. It varied. But then as a family, we would go and we would deliver that present. We would knock on their door and we would hand, it, hand the present to them and then we would say, thinking about you this Christmas, um, just hope that you have an absolutely amazing time. And that was a way in which we as a family were able to reflect the sun's light to everyone we saw, and especially to our neighbours. It could simply be inviting friends, family who don't yet know Jesus to one of our carol services Christmas. And this one is specifically relevant to me. Could it be that we need to be more gracious to those people who work in public services this Christmas, maybe on the trains, maybe the police, maybe it's the ambulance forces, those who have to work this Christmas, maybe those who don't get so much of a holiday. I know that when trains are delayed and when things don't quite go away, we get very frustrated very easily, and I speak to, speak for, I speak to myself here, but maybe over this Christmas we need to be a lot more gracious with those people who are giving up their Christmases to serve us. Or could it be that when we catch up with family this Christmas, when we're talking to our cousins, when we're talking to our aunts and uncles, when we're talking to our brothers and our sisters, could it be that when they tell us about everything that's going on in their life, that actually instead of giving advice, we actually we offer to pray for them as well. Advice is great, but prayer is absolutely incredible. Or finally, could it be that as a family, we may need to reprioritize what Christmas really means in our houses? Lots of things go with Christmas. Presents, food, seeing family, Christmas carols. There's loads of things going on. But at the end of the day, Christmas is about welcoming the one true light to this world. And actually, this Christmas is the perfect opportunity for us to reflect that one true light to our friends and to our family and to this world. I'm going to hand over to Lauren. Thanks, Joel. 
Well, we are going to respond to what Joel's told us and, and what Mark shared with us by singing a final song. But as we do, the grown-ups in the room have all been given for their families a light. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song that helps us remember that we, as friends of Jesus, we carry his light with us. And it is our job to shine it out and show everybody that we meet that we carry that with us. So as we sing our final song, we're going to dim the lights. And everybody, you can just slip your uh, light onto your finger with the elastic. And there's a little switch to turn it on. And as we sing, we're going to create an amazing light show in here to remember that we shine Jesus' light out of us. Okay, so why don't we all stand, dish out your rings to your families, turn them on. If anyone needs one or has got a broken one, they've got some spare.